Alright, so let's go ahead and get into our study. We've been um, looking at uh, the book of Proverbs, not a verse-by-verse study, but more of a topical study, a general overview, highlighting some of the, what I call, landmarks on the pathway of life. And uh, Proverbs contains uh, principles of faith, principles of practical, what I like to call practical faith. Yes, Ron? It's on. Thank you. That's why everybody was so quiet. They saw me up here struggling with the thing. But anyway, it's a, it's a good book. It's a very practical book. It was one, it's one that I would recommend to any young person to be an expert in because it really gives you some, some, uh, some warnings of folks to watch out for as well as folks to hang out with. Uh, like Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more onto the perfect day. And the book of Proverbs is one of those very practical books that to help in that regard. And um, in my own personal study of Proverbs, and I'm just talking here before I get into the lesson, um, I see four main things in Proverbs that are important as far as our walk with the Lord is concerned, uh, we've, we're, we're already talking about the first one, and that's authority. What is your, what is your heart attitude in regards to authority, whether it's man's authority or God's authority? Everybody, everybody, I don't care how high you are up on the ladder, everybody's under somebody's authority. So your heart attitude in regards to authority is, is key in how well um, you manage your life, how well you get along. The second one is character. Proverbs is, is, is full of characters, <laughs> and it also addresses one's character, one's integrity. What type of person do I want to be? What type of person do I want to be? And Proverbs will help you determine whether you want to be a good, ungodly person or a godly person. Then there's personal values. You know, the standards that I follow, the standards that I aspire to live by. And that's what we're looking at, actually. We're looking at one of those key values, and that is trusting in the Lord with all our heart. Uh, the value of faith is a key value in the walk of a Christian. Would you agree with that? Because that's how it gets started, right? As you have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. And then the final one that I see in Proverbs is that of legacy. That, that involves your relationship with others. That, that uh, asks the question, how do I want to be remembered by those who knew me? As well as, what have I left behind that is of eternal value to those that I've known? So to me, those four things is what the book of Proverbs addresses, which are very, very important. So again, under the one about authority, we're looking at the value of faith in God, trusting in the Lord with all thine heart, and leading not unto thine own understanding. And we've been looking at expectations or the results of someone who has, yes, I'm going to walk with Jesus, come with me, what may, I'm going to trust in God's word. I'm going to look to him uh, in my life. And uh, we talked about guidance and direction. That's promised. Uh, We talked about a greater potential for happiness and fulfillment. If you trust in the Lord and walk with God, there's a greater potential of happiness and and a sense of purpose and fulfillment in life. There's also the potential of prosperity, materially, yes, but definitely spiritually. I think last week we talked about deliverance from evil and our eternal safety. And now what we're going to talk about today is uh, peace of mind, joy of heart, and what I call fortitude of hope. Fortitude of hope. Um, You know, as with any journey in life, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time. I don't care if you're going to the grocery store or if you're going to go down to Florida, it takes time. Uh, my wife and daughter, they, uh, I don't know, for the last month or so, uh, they've been uh, going on walks together. And they began, and Heather was taking mercy on my wife, Diane. Uh, but they, 
But they started off uh, walking, I believe it was two miles, and then they progressed to three miles, and then four miles, and then just a little while ago, they accomplished walking six miles. So they're out there walking six miles in this heat. Um, now that walking of six miles, that just didn't happen, right, overnight. That was something that was progressive. That was something that uh, they built up, or Diane built up too. She built her stamina up to reach that milestone in, in their walks together. The same is true in our walking with God. It takes time. Um, it takes time for God to work in us. Uh, that stamina of faith, that uh, peace of mind, that joy of heart, it, it, it takes time. And um, whether you start off walking a mile with God or you end up walking six miles with God, it, it, takes, it takes time. It, and you've got to learn some things and you, you have to experience some things. And um, it takes time and experience to learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. Now, doesn't it? I mean, think about it. When you first got saved, right? You may have started out, I could charge hell with a water pistol. But as time went on, you know, you may have kind of regressed a little bit in that. Because things started happening in life. And God had to take you through some things to temper your faith. All right? And so, it takes time. And so... Uh, that stamina, that tempering had to take place. I love what Paul wrote in Galatians 3.3. 3. He says, Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? See, that speaks a lot to me. Because, um, you know, at first, you get saved, and boy, you're in the, you're in the Spirit. And things are, you know, you're, you're just going like gangbusters. And then unbeknownst to you, the flesh starts stepping in. And then you start serving God and doing these things empowered more by the flesh than by the Spirit. Empowered more by the flesh than by the Spirit. And it's not possible to walk with God in the flesh. Why is that? Because the flesh is at enmity with God. So there's an appearance of walking with God, but are you really walking with God? You kind of understand what I'm trying to say here? So those who walk by faith, those who have received Jesus Christ, they have to learn some things. They have to learn some things about their walk with the Lord. And a part of this learning is the process of peace of mind, joy of heart, and the fortitude of hope, all of that establishes our Christ-like character. Our Christ-like character. It's all part of the package. And it's a gradual, what does Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 say? By the renewing of our mind. It's a renewing process. It's a renewing process that God takes us through. That's why we go through the seasons of failure and disappointment and trials and storms. Because those are the things that God uses to give us that peace and joy and strength that God promises to those who stay the course. That's all part of the package. Now I wrote up here Isaiah 26.3. Go ahead and find Isaiah 26.3 if you haven't already. That's kind of a verse that I'm going to focus on a little bit. In Isaiah 26, 3, we read, and this is a, this is a common, uh, this is a well-known verse. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. And here's the condition. Whose mind is stayed on thee, because he, what? Trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So there we have that peace and strength. 
Now this is in stark contrast to the uh, to the uh, another passage found in Isaiah. In Isaiah 57:20 it says, "But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt, there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked." So those who do not trust God, and I'll even go as far as saying they're not right with God, and that can be true of not only the unbeliever, but the believer, then there's no true peace. There's no true peace. Even though on the surface everything may be doing just fine, they seem like they're getting along, but inside, in spite of what appears to be calm and peace, and they've got it all together, Instead, there's that deep-seated fear and turmoil that's just waiting to break forth like a burst dam. Now, that's true of the unsaved. But that can also be true of the redeemed, those of us who know Jesus Christ as their Savior, especially if you're trying to live this life in the flesh. Because your flesh is going to give out. It just will. It doesn't have the stamina. Proverbs repeatedly informs the son that he can know this perfect peace by seeking the peace from the one who is the source of that peace. You're not going to find it in you. Proverbs 18.32 says, It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. The word girdeth means to encompass or equip or clothe. When you think of a girder, what do you think of? Kind of like these things that go across the ceiling, right? That's a girder. A girder is used in buildings as a main support system that all the other beams rest on. That's what God is to us. He is that girder in our life that we are to rest upon. Because it is his strength that gives us the stamina in this life. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to you. If you're not walking with the Lord like you should, you won't know that peace, even though that peace is yours. The concept of peace for many of us is uh, dependent upon some outside source or cause, right? I mean, um, if all of the circumstances in my life are favorable to me, Right? If everything is clicking and there's no drama in the home and the bills are paid and then, you know, that's that's pretty peaceful. But what happens when your kids go insane? Or you're told, um, you need you don't have the money that you thought you did. What happens to that peace? What happens to that peace? If our circumstances become unfavorable, so goes that peace. The peace that God offers us is inside of us. Do you realize that? The peace that God offers to us, the peace that we have from God, is within us. John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I live with you, leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have God's peace dwelling in us right now, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me... Ye might have peace in the world, ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Our peace is within us, not outside of us. But unfortunately, we try to tap into the outside source of peace. No, we need to learn to tap into the inside source of peace. 
I mean, think about it. What is one of the, I don't want to say fruits of the Spirit, but what is one of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Peace. So if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, if you're living in the Spirit, then guess what? Peace. But when you don't, and you start walking in the flesh, and you start tackling these things by the flesh, then you're not going to have this peace. You've forfeited your peace. Does that make sense? You're kind of looking at me like, okay. Do you realize that the promise that God has given to us in regards to peace, nobody can take it away from us? Now why is that? Because it's living in us. And did he not promise that he would never leave us or forsake us? So nobody's taking our peace from us. We're forfeiting that peace. Romans 5.1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Peace of mind, joy of heart, fortitude of hope. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. What does Ephesians chapter 6 compare to a shield? Come on, guys. Faith. Faith. That's just a sampling of the many exhortations concerning our true source of peace of mind and joy of heart and certainty of hope that fortifies our character. We're anchored in the Lord. He is our anchor. He's not going to move. He's not going to budge. His word is true. It's infallible. It doesn't fail. Jesus Christ is the only safe harbor we have in this life. You go to any other harbor, and you're not going to find that peace and that joy and that security. Psalms 26, 1 through 3 says... Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I, rem- I recall when I was just a, a small boy, I maybe, I don't know, seven or eight. Um, family and I, we went to Yellowstone Park for vacation. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. That's one of my favorite childhood memories. In fact, I love that part of the country. I lived for seven years in Idaho. And um, I just do. I just love that part of the country. Anyway, we went to uh, Wyoming. Not Wyoming. uh, Yeah, it was in Yellowstone. And uh, uh, my dad and I hiked with a group of people along this path it was a fairly steep path and because um, uh, we wanted to go see a um, what they call a mud pot and what it is it's a huge pool of who knows what <laughs> but it does it looks like a big old mud pot with these huge bubbles that come up and this, this stuff you can you can see the steam I mean it's just it's boiling hot and so we went up there, and um, I mean, it was mesmerizing to see this stuff, you know, bubble up and bloop. 
I mean, I was just mesmerized by it. Well, on the way back, and I was warned about this, but on the way back, because I was watching what was going on over here, I tended to stray a little too far off the trail. And I started sliding. Yeah, I started sliding. I was headed right for that mud pot. And my dad scrambled down and he grabbed me by the scruff of my neck and pulled me back on the trail, you know, and set my feet. And of course, he, he reprimanded me. I told you to pay attention. I told you to pay attention. Well, I was paying attention. I was just paying attention to the wrong thing. <laughs> Instead of watching the trail that would have kept me safe, I was focusing on that mud pot. So anyway, my father, he, he let me know about it. But you know, to me, that's a lesson of the security that we have with our Father in Heaven. Because he's always ever watchful. Always, always ever watchful over his own. We can trust in his vigilant care over us. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. We're always, always under the watchful eye of God. Always. The stability, the steadfastness is ours. This is making too much noise. I thought I turned it off. Um, When we stay the course. (laughs) When we stay on the path. That's where our peace of mind comes from. That's where our joy comes from. That's where, you know, that's where uh, our uh, fortitude, our stamina, our being established comes from. But when our eyes begin to fixate on the boiling mud pots of, let's say, the politics of this country, which is kind of screwy now, or the economic concerns or just the outright craziness that's going on around us, or the allurements of what I call an artificial peace, when we start focusing on those mud pots, you know what happens? We begin to slide off of that path, off of that trail. And when we do that, when we begin to fixate on the boiling mud pots, that's when that turmoil starts occurring in our hearts. When we become anxious and worrisome. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Shall be safe. You know, one of the most repeated exhortations you're going to find in the Bible is fear not. Fear not. Time and time and time again, you hear this phrase in the Bible, fear not. Fear not. Trust in me. I, in fact, in my morning reading, Jesus said, fear not. You trust in God, trust also in me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. And we have such troubled hearts. We allow our fears and our anxieties and our worries overcome us. Oftentimes we fret over the unknown or things that we really have no control over. And they they have a tendency to, to control us. So we make unwise decisions and we say hurtful things. You know, fear is a is a powerful motivator. And the enemy knows this. And he'll use fear to manipulate you. He'll get you to start fretting and to start becoming anxious. Why? Because then he can have control over your mind. If you, then your mind is no longer stayed on who? Yeah. And when your mind is no longer stayed on the Lord, guess what goes away? Your peace. Your peace. So fear is a very powerful motivator. 
Generally, a person who's influenced or controlled by their fear, they take their focus from God and they put their focus on whatever is the cause of their fear. The mud pots. (laughs) They focus on the bubbling mud pots and they lose track of where they are on the trail and then they begin to slide toward what they fear. Have you ever noticed that? You do. You start gravitating toward that thing you fear. Because that's what your mind is stayed on. That's what you're fixated on in your mind. And so the focus becomes self-centered and the, and the, and the motive is now about self-survival. And that fear becomes the most important thing to you. And when this kicks in, then you lose your peace and you lose your joy. And this is what he's really after, guys. Listen to me when I tell you this. The thing that the enemy is after is he wants to steal from you your hope. If he can get your hope, he's got you. He's got you. That's what he's after. And like I said, fear is a motivator. Abraham and Isaac, good godly men, but because of the fear for their own lives, what did they do? They lied about their wives. She's my sister. No. What about Aaron? When Moses was up in the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, what did he tell Moses? Right? Well, I did this because of the people. I feared the people. So that's why he put together that golden calf. King Saul. He was fearful of the people abandoning him, so he did something he wasn't allowed to do. He ended up losing the crown anyway, didn't he? What about David, who defeated Goliath, this great man of valor and war? He gets fearful and he acts like a crazy person in front of an enemy king because he's fearful for his life. On and on and on again. You see good men, good women become fearful and do crazy things. Why? Because they let their fear overwhelm them. Their minds are not stayed on the Lord. Again, Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. I mean, even the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.3 says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He recovered pretty quick. But we're all there, right? I love that about Paul. Because if it happens to Paul, right? It happens to anybody. That's very human. That's very real to me. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You know, I love the KJV, because you won't find this in any other version. But pay attention to these little phrases like, shall be safe. You only find that kind of, that kind of uh, thing in your KJV because it's a word-for-word translation shall be safe. That phrase is found three times in your Bible. Three times. Psalms 119, 117 says, Hold thou me up and I shall be safe. And I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Notice the connection between safety and God's word. Well, you guys know I always like to check my strongs. That English word safe is three different Hebrew words. Not that I'm a Hebrew scholar, I just like to see these things. 
Here the word safe in Psalms 119 means to be liberated, to be victorious, to be delivered from trouble. Whether that's physical trouble or moral trouble. So when you trust in the Lord, your safety, you will be liberated, you will be victorious, you will be delivered from trouble, yes, physical, but more importantly, moral or spiritual trouble. And honestly, that's where a lot of us get in trouble, is that moral, spiritual aspect. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you that is, than he that is in the world. We have the victor living within, who has delivered us. So we are safe in him. You see that? Do you believe that? <laughs> More importantly, right? First John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Do you realize that when we face these things that are trying to steal from us our, our peace and our joy and our hope, do you realize that we are fighting from the position of victory? We are. We are already victors. In Jesus Christ, we have this safety of liberation. And that's, that's, how our, that's how we should face these things. On the ground of that victory has already been won. But do we do that? Not always. Another place that this phrase is found is Ezekiel 24.27. Ezekiel 24.27. He says, And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those that serve themselves of them. Shall be safe in their land. Now I know that that is a prophecy for the millennial kingdom. When Jesus Christ will rule and reign on Israel, will know all of its blessings, and it will dwell securely from its enemies. Um, but you know what, folks? We also are in that very same place spiritually in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Now we may not know of that inheritance um, literally now, but one day we will. It's promised to us. It's promised to us. In Christ we're free from the bondage of sin and the flesh. We are secure in him forever. And his glory is reserved for us. And one of these days, just like Israel will in the millennium, one of these days we also will partake of that glory. We are safe. We are safe. And then this third time here in Proverbs 29-25, it says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I think this is my favorite one. Because the Hebrew word here, translated safe, means to be set on high. It means to be exalted. It means to be lifted up. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up 
together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus we the church which is the body of Christ are right now in Christ our head in heaven that's pretty wild to think about that but we have been exalted folks we have been exalted in Christ and then one of these days and I think it's closer than a lot of folks might think one of these days his body will join him in heaven as the bride right in God's mind we're already there in God's mind we're already lifted up in God's mind we're already exalted in that place it's just a matter of days, weeks, months, years when that will be a reality what is it that, that, that hymn that says when our faith shall be made sight I think that's when peace like a river attendeth my way I think that's the, I think that's the song it is well with my soul thank you Ron Right now, our advocate, our mediator, sits in heavenly places. He is our earnest, if you will, of that future glory. In the mind of God, we're there with him. We're secure with him right now. Where he is one day, we shall be too. That's why we need to keep our minds stayed on Him. Keep our minds stayed on the Lord, who according to Paul in Galatians 2.20, who loved us and gave Himself for us. Again, back to Isaiah 26.3, this word, lean upon, that means put your full weight on it. It's like the full weight of this roof is leaning on these girders. What's keeping that roof up is those girders. To lean upon something is to lean upon something that's weaker than yourself. No, that don't work, does it? No, usually when you lean upon something, you lean upon something that is stronger than you are. Now, am I stronger than God? Then I better not be leaning on me. Is my wife stronger than God? Although I can lean on her, and I often do, she can only take so much. Only God is strong enough to to lean on fully. You lean on anything else, and you're going to begin to slide. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You feel yourself slipping and sliding, what do you do? You call upon the Lord. That's what you do. You don't get on the phone and call Pastor Brian, though I'm sure he's willing to help. No, the first first person you should call on is the Lord. Do we always do that? No, put your cell phone down and call upon the Lord. Get on your knees and call upon the Lord. That's where you should start. That first care, casting all your care upon Him, it's like taking a heavy, wet, dirty old net. Because that's what your worries are like. It's like a wet, dirty net that you get all tangled. And you cast that on the, on the, on the Lord's shoulders. Because his shoulders are big enough. His shoulders are big enough. Paul says in Philippians 4.6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto you. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So be careful. That's that anxiety and that worry and that troublesome. 
Let your request, that's that casting all of that upon God's shoulders. This, this to me, describes someone who, who is so overwhelmed by fear and anxiety. Now, is this not true? When you start having this troublesome mind, this fear and anxiety, aren't you pulled this way and then pulled that way and then pulled this way and then pulled the other way because you've got all this going on in your life, all this confusion? What you need is stability. You need stability. And you're only going to find that stability to your distracted mind by keeping your mind on him. He's the stable one in the relationship, not me. You know, when we do this, then God can prove he cares for us. Does that sound kind of weird? Now think about it. The only way God can prove that he cares for us (laughs) is if we let him. Right? I mean, he does. He does care for us. But the only way he can prove that to you is if we honestly, sincerely trust in him. Then he can prove to us he can be trusted. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I look at that chair, and I believe that chair can, can hold my weight. I could stand on that chair, I can lay on that chair, I can sit on that. I believe that chair can hold my weight. But how do I prove that? I plant my on that chair. Right? And I can hop up and down on it and do everything. And by doing that, what am I doing? Proving that chair. Same thing with God. God is stronger than that chair. He can be trusted. Do you know who needs to be proved? We do. Because that's how our faith grows in Him. When we prove God, then we know, okay, he's, he's trustworthy. And the more we learn that he's trustworthy, guess what we do? The more we trust. See how that, go- See how that works? It's very practical. There's no deep hidden mystery in that. But sometimes things don't make any sense. Sometimes we face things that are convoluted and upside down. We wonder what's going to come of us. That's why it says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. That's why we go to God's Word. We go to God's Word to make sense of the confusion that we face. Now we live in the part of the country that Sometimes we experience some strong winds, don't we? Especially in the springtime. Man, we have trees in our backyard, and sometimes that wind comes through, and those trees are just rocking back and forth. Rocking back and forth. Have you ever been out in those strong winds? I mean, some of those winds are strong enough to practically knock you down. I saw this hilarious uh, video of this woman trying to get into her car. And she couldn't get the door closed because the wind was so strong. She even got out of her car and was pushing against the door because the wind was so strong. The wind was stronger than than she... And she couldn't have weighed more than 90 pounds. Hebrews, uh, Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ. See when those winds begin to blow what do we instinctively do when we're out in those strong winds? We either do two things. 
we either get out of the wind or we grab hold of something <laughs> that's stronger than the wind so we don't get blown away. That's what we need to do sometimes, folks. Sometimes we need to get out of these strong winds that surround us. Okay, I might be stepping on people's toes when I say this. There are some things that you view, some things that you watch and listen to, some things that you may read that you need to get out of that strong wind. Because it's causing you nothing but turmoil and anxiety, stress and anger, frustration. See, I have to do that sometimes. I have to get away from the news sites. I have to get away from what's going on. Because you get caught up in the wind of this foolishness. Step out of that for a while. Get your bearings straight again in God's Word. Sometimes we can't get out of the strong wind. So we've got to grab a hold of something that's going to keep us stable. The strong wind of drama in the family, in the marriage, in the finances, on the work site. Sometimes we can't get out of those strong winds. But you can grab a hold of something that will stabilize you in those strong winds. That's what the Word of God is for. We have a strong anchor that we can trust in. We have a strong anchor that is our security. We have a strong anchor that is our safe harbor in these troublous times. Don't forsake it. Don't forsake it. Where is your peace of mind found? Where is your source of joy? On what ground are you standing? You need to ask yourself these questions sometimes. If it isn't founded in the Lord who is our rock and our strong fortress, then what other ground is there? What was it that Jesus talked about with the parable of the house? One guy built it on the rock, the other guy built it on the... So when those waves come along, and if you're built on sand, what happens eventually? Yeah, you go crashing down. Proverbs 18, uh, Psalms 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. That's not, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Hyperbole? That's fact. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Proverbs 28.14 Happy is the man that feareth always. Joy. Happy is the man that feareth always. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Oh, I can do this. I can stand up to this. I can handle this. Fall. Um, Okay. I got 27 other pages, but I got to cut it short. Our peace was sent from the Father in the name of the Son. Okay, stay with me now. Don't be like the Sunday school. Who is this peace sent unto us? Okay, I heard it. That's the Sunday school answer. And that's, that is true. Jesus. But right now, 
who's inside of us. There you go. The Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to get Pentecostal on you, so don't get all nervous. What is another name given by Jesus for the Holy Spirit? I heard it. Comforter. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. Peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. A part of that peace that Jesus gives to us is the person of the Holy Spirit. Remember, one of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. Now, this is a Bible-educated group. And I know you guys know this, but what is the Greek word for comforter? Nobody? There you go, Ron. I knew you were going to come through with it. Paraclete. No, that's not the spikes on the bottom of your shoes. Okay? Yeah, it's those little birds in cages. No, it's not those either. Uh, yeah. He he needs to be caged up. No, it's 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 rightly translated in your King James Version as comforter, paracletos, or paraclete. Uh, a paracletos or a comforter was someone who was called to one side to render aid, to encourage, uh, or to strengthen someone who has become in, become weak or has fallen into despair. Okay. Now the only thing I have wrong with that definition is uh, coming alongside because he doesn't come alongside he's inside that's even closer he's inside so we have a comforter who's inside to strengthen us give us peace teach us about this walk of faith and he's also the one who pleads the cause of another in the court did you ever think of that I mean we know that Jesus Christ is our mediator we know that he's, ad, he's our advocate but we all and they're all the same but that same work is done by the Holy Spirit of God as well Alright, Jeff, proof text. Where are you getting this? Romans 8.26 Likewise the Spirit also helpeth, helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He's our direct line to heaven. He's our direct line to heaven. In the widest sense of the the application of the meaning of the ministry of the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of the Father and of the Son. And Brian, don't call me a heretic, please, when I say this. But in the widest application of this ministry of the Holy Spirit he was sent by the Son in the place of the Son to be with us now let that sink in I had a good good friend of mine and I said Sam wouldn't it have been wonderful to live in the days of Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to talk with Jesus and he said, no, Brother Jeff, it wouldn't. And I was shocked. I'm thinking, what kind of heretic are you? No, I didn't think that. He said, well, let me explain. He says, if I lived back then, 
chances are I would be running from a lion trying to eat me in Africa. Sam was a black man. So if he lived back then, chances are. And I got to thinking, you know what? My ancestors are from France. And chances are I'd be running from a Roman with a sword trying to lop my head off. He says, no, he says, we're really living in the best day. Because we have the Spirit of Christ dwelling within us. And so I can have that walk with Jesus just like his disciples did. I learned something that day. I learned something that day. John 16.5 says, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you ask me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. You know, I was reading about that this morning. And chances are I won't find what I, what I found. I can't find it. But essentially what Jesus was telling his disciples was, it's, it's important for me to leave. I have a work to, to accomplish. I have a work to finish. I have to die on the cross. That is God's commandment. That's the Father's commandment for me. He says, but I'm going to come back. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, they're all the same guys, understand? But the Holy Spirit of God is Jesus now in us. Because in other places, I think in Romans, it says the Spirit of Christ. What I'm trying to get across to you guys is this. Peace of mind, joy of heart, fortitude of hope. It's in you. Now. Now. Not out there, not dependent upon your circumstances, but it's in you now. And for those of us who trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not onto our own understanding, it takes time for us to experience that now. And I love what Manly Beasley said one time. He says, the measure of the success of a man is that he lives what is written of him in the Word of God. So I guess I say all of this, in all of this stuff about faith and trusting in the Lord, we must make what's real about us, written in God's Word, real to us in our life right now. And we do that by trusting in Him. Am I going to fall? Yeah. Am I going to make mistakes? Yeah. Am I going to say something that's going to upset somebody? Oh, it's guaranteed. Are there going to be times when I'm going to doubt? Yes. Are there going to be times where I'm going to become fearful and anxious? Yes. But I can face all of that. Because of He who dwells in me. Because He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my hope. And it is because of Him that I walk with the Lord come what may understand Father in heaven we thank you so much for your word that is rock solid trustworthy we can believe it in spite of what the world tries to tell us in spite of what the world tries to allure us away from it Father help us 
that our faith in you would just be exercised that it would be challenged knowing that all things work together for good to to them that love God and are called according to his purpose Father in heaven we are so grateful that you have sent your spirit that you have given us your word and that you indeed are our strength our hope, our joy, our love all of our life oh may we make that a reality in our lives in our minds, in our hearts please Holy Spirit work that out in all of us we thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.